0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Trauma Talks, a podcast where you will join me on the journey to become a trauma and orthopedic surgeon. This episode is part of the MRCS exam part A study series, and this will be a short review of the topic, applied surgical physiology, homeostasis, and thermoregulation. Okay, so this episode will be subdivided in the following four sections. Number one, general principles. Number two, nervous system. Number three, hormonal system. Number four, thermoregulation. Section one, general principles. So homeostasis, as most of us know, it's the maintenance of a constant internal environment. Now, the human body has multiple complex systems involved which need constant adjusting, i.e. the circulatory, the respiratory, the renal, the cardiovascular system. A homeostatic mechanism is a regulating mechanism that once triggered by an alteration in a physiological property or quantity would act in order to produce a compensatory change in the opposite direction. This process involves three essential parts. Number one, receptors. Number two, central integration. Number three, effectors. A very practical example of this would be, let's say you wake up in the morning, stand up abruptly, and your blood pressure drops because you haven't drank enough water the previous day. So this is perceived by the bioreceptors in your neck through a negative feedback loop. They will stimulate your heart, increase the rate, and this way, raising the blood pressure, restoring the balance, and compensating for the drop in blood pressure. Section 2. Nervous system So, the nervous system is one of the systems responsible for maintaining homeostasis. And within the nervous system, this is achieved by the use of afferent fibers, so fibers linking the receptors to the main central integrating systems that we mentioned which would be our brain and spinal cord, but also efferent fibers. These ones carrying the information from the coordinating system to the effector organs. One can go into much more depth when talking about the nervous system, but this is not the purpose of this specific topic. And the important thing to retain is, are the three components that we mentioned. So, receptors, central integrating system, and the effectors. Still, it's worth mentioning one of the main subdivisions of the nervous system that we take into consideration when looking at physiological responses in the body is the somatic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. The somatic nervous system uses skeletal muscle as effectors for purposeful behavior and reflex actions. While the autonomic nervous system sends efferent fibers to glands, heart, Blood vessels, etc. Section 3 Hormonal system. So, this is still an integral part of the homeostatic regulatory systems within the body and is parallel to the nervous system that we just mentioned. Now, regulation is achieved by endocrine glands who secrete hormones targeting specific cells. The important thing to remember is that actions are way slower than those of the nervous system and are under control of the hypothalamic pituitary axis. So instead of having physical nerves, physical fibers going towards and outwards from the central system, we have chemical messengers which travel throughout the body and then target specific cells. Section 4. Thermal regulation. So this is the balance between heat gain and heat loss within the body, and is mostly controlled by the nervous system. When talking about heat production, it is controlled or solely controlled by the hypothalamus, and works by increasing voluntary muscle effort or shivering, which would be involuntary muscle effort. Whilst on the other side of the coin, heat loss is controlled by both the sympathetic and the hypothalamus, and it works mostly through skin blood flow alterations and or sweating. Regulation is mostly done at a central capacity by temperature sensitive receptors, which are found in the anterior hypothalamus. You got heat sensitive on one hand, but also cold sensitive receptors. However, there are also a few peripheral thermoreceptors you have receptors that respond directly to a cold stimulus. Let's say you touch a cold object with your right hand and this leads to bilateral vasoconstriction, meaning not only the same hand and limb that you touch the object but also your opposite one. You also have receptors that promote reflex vasodilation when radiant heat is applied to a part or the whole body and Lastly, you might also have receptors within internal surfaces in the body, such as the respiratory tract or the gastrointestinal tract. So, let's say you're having some really hot food or inhaling some really cold air during the winter time, there's still a reflex thermoregulatory mechanism in place without involvement of the central system. The human body temperature is always changing and it should be subdivided into core and peripheral temperature core temperature being the temperature of all your internal contents thoracic abdominal and brain and it must be kept at an optimal temperature let's say in between 36 and 37.5 degrees the most reliable measurement for core temperature is the rectal temperature which is usually 0.5 degrees celsius higher than the mouth and the axilla The core temperature shows the urinal variations, meaning it's higher in the evening, but also varies during the menstrual cycle, for example, meaning during the latter half of the cycle is 0.5 degrees Celsius higher. In regards to the peripheral, temperature is much less than the core temperature due to the fact that heat is being lost from the body to the environment. And this happens over three main ways. That is number one, conduction and evaporation, skin to air, direct loss of heat, convection, that's skin to air due to the movement to the convection of air through and above the skin, and lastly radiation through the exposure of naked skin, just emanating radiation. As you might expect, we're mostly here to talk about when things go wrong and when there's an abnormal temperature regulation within the body. Now it is thought that there is a set point of temperature around which the core temperature is regulated and this is all done by the hypothalamus. If at any point that set point suffers a change the body or the hypothalamus will activate the necessary mechanisms to restore homeostasis. Fever or pyrexia is a temporary increase in body temperature above let's say 37.5 degrees Celsius. It does not necessarily mean something is wrong, as there are many different causes for it, however, it is one of the earliest signs of an underlying infection. It can manifest in situations such as exercise, infection, trauma, heat stroke, some anterior hypothalamic lesions, hyperthyroidism, malignant hyperpyrexia, and so and so. During fever, the set point is raised, and in return, the body feels colder because the core temperature is lower than the set point. As a compensatory response, the hypothalamus activates heat-producing, maintaining mechanisms such as vasoconstriction, pyloerection, or shivering. Heat stroke is a condition caused by your body overheating, usually as a result of a prolonged exposure to high temperatures or physical exertion in high temperatures. This is the most serious form of heat injury or temperature related pathologies and it can occur if your body rises to up to 104 Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius, sometimes even sooner than that. The condition, as it's Very easy to understand is most common in summer months. Heat stroke is a life threatening medical emergency. Untreated, it can lead to damage to your brain, heart, kidney, and muscles. The most common signs and symptoms of a heat stroke are number one, a high body temperature, usually above 40 degrees Celsius, by a rectal thermometer. Number two, a altered mental state or behavior. This manifests as confusion, agitation, slurred speech, irritability, delirium, and so on, even the coma. So there should be also alteration in sweating, so your skin will feel hot and dry, nausea and vomiting, flushed red, a sort of erythematous flamed skin, rapid breathing, racing heart, and even a headache, a very strong throbbing headache. Acute management consists of lowering the core body temperature as quickly as possible to acceptable levels. Now that can be achieved in many different ways. The most effective way is definitely immersing the patient in a bath of cold or ice water. You can also use evaporation cooling techniques by using cold air and fanning it over the patient. Another technique would be packing ice and some cooling blankets and putting it on specific regions of the body, such as your groin, your neck, your back, your armpits. And the reasoning behind that is that you're providing cold to high flow arteries, such as the axillary, the femoral, therefore distributing the cold over the body as quickly as possible. And there are also some medications that uh, the medical team might consider, such as muscle relaxants, benzodiazepines, to stop your shivering. At the other end of the spectrum, we have hypothermia, meaning a core rectal temperature below 35 degrees Celsius. If at any point that temperature reaches 30, 29, depending on the literature, the body's regulatory mechanisms start failing. Signs and symptoms include shivering, slurred speech or mumbling, slow, shallow breathing, weak pulse, clumsiness, lack of coordination, drowsiness, confusion loss of consciousness, and even in infants, red, bright skin. When exposed to extreme cold, the human body starts to conserve energy and blood flow for internal core structures, such as the heart, the lungs. Therefore, extremities go cold, there's less perfusion distally. Since the kids have a much smaller stature and very short limbs, that manifests as a red, bright skin treatment mainly consists of rewarming the person and you can do that in many different ways you provide some passive rewarming to a person with mild hypothermia let's say you provide heated blankets warm fluids to drink and that should be sufficient blood rewarming so you can draw blood for someone warm it up and recirculate it through the body and this is a method using with dialysis machines you can use warm IV fluids for example you can provide IV warm bag of fluids and that way warm the person up you can provide airway re- rewarming with humidified oxygen through a nasal mask or a nasal tube you can even use some catheters and try to irrigate specific cavities within the body and that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast, to this short review on the topic of applied surgical physiology, homeostasis and thermal regulation. I really hope you enjoyed. I hope you took some value out of it. And don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Yours truly, Trauma Talks.